Hello, my name is Kip Harry, Conference Director at Cambridge Health Tech Institute, and today we have a joint podcast for the upcoming RNA-Seq and Transcriptome Analysis Meeting, part of the Clinical Genomics and Informatics Conference and Expo this December 3rd to 5th in beautiful Lisbon, Portugal. We have two speakers on the line, both speaking in the RNA-Seq meeting, so let me introduce them. First, joining us from Minnesota, we have Dr. David Smith. He is a professor in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at the Mayo Clinic. Hello. And also joining us via phone from Vancouver, we have Dr. Melanie Lehman. Uh, she's a research fellow at the Australian Prostate Cancer Research Center uh, at Queensland University of Technology. Hi. So to set the stage a bit more and to provide a bit of uh, context, the RNA-Seq and Transcriptome Analysis meeting, it, it will actually run December 5th to 6th and we'll showcase some of the latest informatics approaches to enable the utilization of RNA-seq for disease interrogation. So some of the presentations will cover novel strategies for analyzing RNA-seq data, methods for data interpretation, interrogation, and also implementation into the clinic. So let's get started, and I guess uh, the first question I have, we can take turns answering. So how has RNA-seq impacted your research? And uh, what are the advantages of using RNA-seq for expression analysis over older technologies such as microarrays? Let's start with Melanie. Okay, so just to preface this, I'm a computational biologist, so I've been working in the field of RNA profiling for, I don't know, 13 years now. So microarrays were transforming research back in the 90s and early 2000s. We're thinking about only doing research in terms of one gene at a time. And now with microarrays, we could profile genes at once. And that was really sort of the birth of systems biology, or we could start looking at pathways and networks changing. But over the last 10 years, we've sort of had a slow iterative changes in technology and our analysis methods and sort of how we can think about the expression of of RNA or the potential for expression from the genome. So RNA-seq has sort of exploded what we can see from the genome, and and, and we're realizing now that we've been missing a whole lot in terms of especially alternative isoforms and long non-coding regulatory RNA. Mm -hmm. David? Unlike Melanie, I'm not a computational uh, biologist. I'm a bench scientist, but I also work at the Mayo Clinic, so we're involved in how we can use technologies and translate them into the clinic. And I started working with microarrays, and like Melanie, really appreciated how it could give you a more systematic look at expression. But there were so many limitations in working with microarrays. One of the major ones is that you really were only looking at the more abundantly expressed genes, at least half of the expressed transcripts were actually invisible to microarray analysis. Suddenly, with RNA-seq, you have a powerful technology, which has a very broad dynamic range, and you can see transcripts that are very low expressed to transcripts that are very high expressed, and you get a digital output. But the amazing thing about RNA-seq is that's just one of the many aspects that it gives you. As Melanie was saying, you can see transcript isoforms. You can see fused transcripts. You can see, for the more abundantly expressed genes, actual alterations in in the sequence of those genes. So it really was a much more dynamic and a full way to examine what's occurring in the transcriptome. And the only bad part about it is that once you've done an RNA-seq experiment, you can never look back because the microarray experiments look so flat and two-dimensional. Okay. So we're in this RNA-seq era. Now, what are some of the advantages, or advances rather, in the applications of this technology? So I guess a better way to ask this question is, how is this technology being used clinically? So 
some of the advances that we're seeing sort of from, from the early start of RNA-seq to, to now is we're starting to look at strand-specific RNA sequencing, where we can look at complex overlapping transcripts at a single location. So before, we're sort of misappropriating where those, those reads were going. Um, there's also advances, which we're going to hear from uh, Marcel Dinger um, at the conference, in terms of RNA capture-seq, where we can do targeted sequencing of specific genomic regions, where we can look at amplifying rare or potentially disease-specific transcripts. Other advances are sort of in low-input RNA sequencing, where we can start looking at RNA profiling of circulating tumor cells or single cells where we can start looking at tumor heterogeneity. And also, we're starting to use RNA-seq in terms of profiling explant models where we can start looking at tumor response in terms of treatment in uh, tumor slices. What's your take, David? Well, there's a variety of different things. I think some of the, the biggest recent advances are at two levels. The first is that the technology has improved so that now it's possible to do RNA-seq with much less input material. When you're talking about clinical specimens, you frequently do not have large amounts of material. So developing these techniques to work with ever smaller amounts of material has been a real plus. And as Melanie was saying, uh, clearly in, in the cancer realm, you're eventually going to get down to single cell and starting to look at that. So the technology has improved so much that you can start almost and with single cells and still produce transcriptome information. In terms of how it's being used clinically, there's a number of possibilities. It's still lagging behind some of the other next-gen sequencing technologies, but there's a number of things. One is because you get a digital output, I think it, you, it's more reproducible. The second thing that's, that I think is extremely exciting is that you can do an RNA-seq experiment, identify something like a fusion transcript, and that fusion transcript could then be used, for example, in the cancer realm for seeing when cancer is coming back, because then you could utilize primers for that and use something like real-time PCR and see when there's a very low concentration of that starting to come back, which would be suggesting that that cancer is now growing again. And the number of other clinical applications is really only limited by your imagination. Okay. So we've talked about sort of the pros of RNA-seq versus microarrays. We've also talked about some of the, uh, the new applications of RNA-seq. Let's talk about the challenges now. So this is sort of a new technology. What are the challenges or limitations that you guys are noticing uh, using RNA-seq? I think that, I mean, one of the problems that we're seeing is that we're limited by our dogma and what we understand about the biology of transcription. And we're trying to apply what we understood sort of from microarray technology onto this um, whole new world of what's actually happening in the genome. So we're missing really important expression of protein isoforms or non-coding RNA. So I think that that limitation in dogma has sort of limited us in thinking about what are new um, analysis methods. So, it, I mean, we're starting to get really exciting things where we, we see advances in um, de novo transcription, transcriptome assembly, where we're not just relying on reference databases, but we're actually trying to look for novel transcripts, and we're going to sort of hear about that from Brian Hayes. And um, it's interesting because we also have problems with this sort of the short read. And in terms of transcriptome assembly, where it's difficult to try to tell what five prime end goes which, with what three prime end. So we'll hear from Wei Chen in terms of hybrid methods where we can start looking at full, uh, combining full-length sequencing with uh, short-read technology. Mm -hmm. 
David. Well, I think there's a number of challenges. The simplest challenge is the fact that for somebody to move from the realm of microarray to RNA-seq, they need a robust bioinformatic support team with them. There are definitely commercially available things, but the best places to work are places that have people like Melanie who can help them with the analysis. Because I think when you're not a bioinformatician and you take on an RNA-seq experiment, you're sort of at the mercy of somebody who can analyze the data because my, by myself, I really don't have the expertise to analyze it. But another problem and real limitation is in the fact that when you look at the transcriptome, there's a whole world of transcripts that are non-coding. And unless they've already been identified, you see a whole series of transcripts and you don't even know if they're real or not. So there's real problems, not just with bioinformatics, but with taking these reads and trying to determine, you know, especially in the non-coding realm, if they're real or not and if they're important or not. Okay. Let's talk about the meeting itself. So you both have 30-minute presentations during the RNA-seq meeting. Uh, Melanie, what do you hope to get across to convey to the audience during your presentation? So I think I've probably mentioned some of my biases already, but I um, hope to convey the, the benefits of de novo transcription assembly and looking for expression outside of what we expect to see um, in, from the reference databases and and branching out from the idea that we need to align our reads to the genome first. This is sort of something that's come from uh, previous DNA work or DNA sequencing work where um, we're relying completely on the reference genome. And here it's, it's especially important in, in cancer where we're unsure of what the actual underlying genomic structure is. Not that we should throw out the reference genome, but we should uh, apply some sort of hybrid parallel methods. Um, and I hope to show that, um, that there are new discoveries, obviously, in the RNA world and that we need to start rethinking about how we do systems biology and not just focus on the gene level, but what are the new and sometimes opposing functions of alternative isoforms in non-coding RNA and need to see the benefit of profiling RNA, not just sort of as a validation or of DNA sequence as a guide for variant detection, but um, also sort of to know what isoforms and transcripts are being expressed and for a map for sort of peptide assembly in terms of going the other direction in proteomics. David, what about you? Well, it's kind of interesting because I'm going to talk about some of the work that we did to identify long stress-induced non-coding transcripts, but all of that work actually started when they first developed the tiling microarrays. So these, this is, you know, pioneered by Tom Gingeris, uh when they had enough features on a microarray so that you could make tiled probes across the genome and not just look in the coding portion of the genome. And this was actually how we identified these long stress-induced non-coding transcripts. Uh, but what I'm going to do is start with that and then evolve to how suddenly utilizing RNA-seq really was a much more powerful tool for identifying things because when you did this hybridization, there was an awful lot of cross-hybridization. So I'm going to take the audience through the discovery of these long non-coding transcripts prior to the ENCODE project all the way to today where you have the data from the ENCODE project and, and the reality that you get much more power out of doing RNA-seq, a full RNA-seq experiment, if you want to probe and identify the real complexity of the genome. So what other talks, and Melanie, you've already mentioned two from Brian Haas and Wei Chen, what other talks are you looking forward to during the RNA-seq meeting, or even during the other meetings, uh, surrounding meetings at this event? 
So, yeah, so I've mentioned a few in terms of RNA capture sequencing, in terms of listening to Marcel Dinger, Brian Haas, and Wei Chen, and interested in really hearing um, Timothy Hubbard's impact of the RNA-seq on the ENCODE project. And it's a fascinating project, and I think it's sort of blown open our idea of what's going on. And, of course, uh, interested in looking at the complexity of the genome, and I think there's a number of talks on that in terms of long encoding RNA, alternative transcripts, and especially um, in microRNAs and circular RNAs. David? Well, I, I, I'm interested in many of the same things, and as Melanie said, I, I'm very interested in Marcel Dinger's talk, you know, about targeting RNA sequencing, because then you could focus in on specific things. I'm certainly very interested in my session where we're looking at the complexity of the transcriptome and looking, you know, at what's happening with non-coding transcripts of various sizes. But I'm also very excited about the conference because I think that RNA-seq has tremendous clinical applications, and this is another aspect that the conference is going to be discussing, you know, is the power of using this and how I think RNA-seq in some instances really complements things. There's a lot of tests now that are just uh, next-gen sequencing of targeted genes to look for mutations, but if you do that without doing a transcriptome analysis too, you don't really know if the things that are altered are actually even expressed or not. So I think it's the combination of those things. Plus, I'm also interested in some of the things that Melanie is discussing and are going to be discussed in her session because a critical and very important thing of all of this is how you analyze the data and the importance of that. So I think there's a lot of exciting talks at this conference, and it's really going to push forward the fact that RNA-seq is a very powerful technology with a number of clinical applications. Great. And I'm sure it doesn't hurt that we'll be in Lisbon, Portugal in December, which should be uh, fairly nice. But I think we should wrap up. So Melanie and David, thanks again for uh, joining us today. And we certainly look forward to your talks at the meeting. For those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. And we certainly look forward to you uh, joining us at the meeting as well as other CHI events.